We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7, sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thank you so much for taking time again to join us today. My name is Dan Kotnick, and joining me today are my two partners in crime. I've got Matt Freilich and Janelle Mackey joining me on our podcast episode today. Guys, how are we doing today? Well, we survived the heat stroke and the severe weather, so I think it's a good day. Yeah, yeah. Like- I was going to say, you guys in Wisconsin are getting some weird stuff the past couple of days. We got hammered in Green Bay. And, like, I it, it missed me. I have two trees that have probably been, like, in the front yard of my house since, like, the Civil War. And one of these days, like, they're going to fall down. I'm And every time, like, I'm gone, usually this happens. And, yeah, we, we avoid it. But, like, back home where I'm from, like, central Wisconsin got smoked. Dan, do you, you guys get any crazy weather out there? Uh, it's been, you know super hot the past couple of days we had a really big storm come through yesterday that lasted yeah. maybe like a half hour okay nothing crazy the last two days just been like oppressively hot just gross out yeah it's been weird. yeah but let, let me ask let me ask the question is it is this kind of weather preferable to the winters that you guys are going to get thousand percent no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I picked the perfect time to move back to Minnesota because it seems like Wisconsin weather is just too crazy right now. Like, I kind of just missed all those storms. We just had the excessive heat. But I'm waiting for the Midwest to find that middle ground, like, enjoyable summer. 
There is none. Like it doesn't yet. Like the the leaves are going to turn in four weeks, and it's going to be cold in Packer season. Like that's what's going to happen. Janelle, yeah. like as far as like weather too, flashback to maybe like six months ago when we record like Monday nights on campus and like walking to the library at like seven p.m. at night with the wind just howling. Like oh yeah, that, like just, the windows just in the that, coffin library like shaking. Yeah, just like that's just like a flashback of like yeah, of course I will take this ninety five degree heat like any day of the week over that. Yeah. Hands down. Oh, yeah, for sure. We do get, like, you know, maybe a week worth of tolerable summer weather, I feel like. Uh, kind of where Matt was was talking about. Like, right right before football season starts, like, right before the leaves change, you get, like, maybe a week where it's not terrible outside. I, I feel like that's our one week of summer before we move straight into to winter. Um, but with that almost football season. We are talking about, uh, well, training camp starts this week. The first preseason game is next week. Wednesday is the Hall of Fame game. Uh, So football season is basically here at this point, which means we have to start breaking down what it looks like uh, positional-wise for the Packers moving into uh, training camp here. We have got uh, the wide receiver core. Is it too much to say, am I being hyperbolic by saying that the wide receiving core might be the most impactful position group with the Packers in the upcoming season, just with the amount of inexperience that you have in some of these players that need to actually step up into this offense, and uh, with that, a completely new offense, and you know Aaron Rodgers is going to do his stuff, so is it too much to say that the wide receiving group is one of the most impactful that, uh, on the season coming up? I don't know if it's, like, the most impactful, but I I guess I don't really know, like, what you mean when you say impactful. I, like, I think it's as far as, like, you have so many guys. You have a dozen guys, right, that are all fighting mm-hmm. for essentially three, like, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe, you know, seventh spot on the team where, like, it's a, it's just – it's a top tier and then like four or five guys in the middle. And then there's everyone else. Like it's Devante at one. And then basically everyone else is fighting between that two to, you know, six or seven spot, whatever it is. Like, I mean, it, you could really slot any of these guys we're going to talk about during this podcast, probably between like those spots that I'm mentioning, I would say impactful as I think the cornerback groups really strange to me, like who's going to kind of just emerge, you know, again, I don't see it as a broken tier like the receivers are with like Jair there. Um, he's still the top guy, but I mean, there's a lot of inexperience. Um, it's there, there. Someone has to make an impact, though. I guess if that's what you're going with there. I mean, there's it's it can't just be Devonte Adams at this point. Yeah, kind of flowing off of that. Not so much impact, but I think it's the biggest prove it group. I think being young and with Adams being the only consistent receiver from last year. I think this is a group that really has to prove themselves, prove that they are better than what we saw last year. And I think being young and inexperienced with the new offense, it might help them not having so much experience with McCarthy's old offense. It might help now that with LaFleur in coaching position, it might actually be an easier transition for them. So it's going to all be really interesting to see in the next few days once training camp starts, kind of how they're flowing in the new system. Yeah, I think you both make excellent points. I I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I guess what I kind of mean is like, 
it, it feels like this group it, out of out of everybody when you look at someone in this on the offense trying to learn a new system under coach Matt LaFleur the quarterback position is taken care of uh the running back position we saw um you know make an impact last year on the offense and obviously you know the running back position is important for the Matt LaFleur system at least what we've seen before but uh I guess like it maybe it's the position that I think could have the biggest effect on how this offense kind of runs especially early on because last year with a lot of these young guys we saw the trust issues between them and Aaron Rodgers uh kind of rear up and so now you've got a new coach a new system and you're trying to get these guys to take the next step because you know there's a lot of guys taking their their second and third season coming into this team they're trying to take the next step with this team and in their career and then also now try and combine themselves into a completely new offense so they've got a lot hinging on or riding on them and their success and so i guess maybe that's kind of um you know my my take on on, on this group and uh i mean let's let's just kind of look at uh the group as it moved into from the off season last year into this season, they lose Randall Cobb, you know, obviously a a fan favorite, a guy that, you know, I thought could have been somebody that stuck around as a Packers entire career. Um, He's gone now. And so Devonte Adams is, you know, kind of de facto number one. He was already the number one, but he comes in and it's a very inexperienced group with uh, Geronimo Allison, uh, Valdez, Scantling, uh, St. Brown, and then Kumaro and, and Trevor Davis kind of feel like the guys that have have filled out this roster for the last year or so. Um, as we hit the offseason, are you surprised at all with the, the amount that the Packers did in free agency that there wasn't a play for wide receiver, especially with Randall Cobb being gone? Was it a matter of uh, nobody there. Packers just ran out of money. Uh, just your take on the offseason and, and how the Packers really didn't address a position that a lot of people thought they would. I bet Janelle, Janelle's still waiting for the Jordy Nelson signing. I, bet I check just... <laughs> every day. I check every day. Did he like assign the one-day con- one contract yet to retire as a Packer? Has that happened? I forget. He said during it's training gotta be camp, up. so I'm... I literally wake up every morning and check the Twitter news on Jordy. No, but seriously, like, I think it's it's strange to me. We were talking right before we started recording. Like, you lose Jordy. You lose Randall. You don't really go add anyone in free agency, even for, like, a veteran spot. Um, you know, as far as pass catchers go, you got Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis you brought in. Um, really didn't see a ton of production from Jimmy Graham last year. Hopefully that'll change this year. But you would think you would go ahead and sign someone just so, so you'd have a little bit more experience in the locker room. I mean, Devontae Adams essentially is the old man in that locker room, and he's really not getting up there in age. So uh, the I don't I don't hate the youth movement. I really kind of enjoyed that, seeing that in the draft two years ago. But um, it's it's odd. It really is. I think it's, I think it's a really a huge testament, though, of – Aaron Rodgers' talent and what he can do with – I mean, you can line up anyone if you can run the routes, if you can communicate with him properly. Um, that's really what it comes down to. I think I'm pretty okay with not having really any free agency with wide receivers just because I think 
well, Matt and I talked about this a long time ago on an episode, but Rodgers statistically favors the tight end. So maybe they'll interpret that a little bit more. Plus you have Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison, who I think is arguably the number two on the team receiver-wise. So I think once these young players like EQ and MVS kind of get in the flow with how Rodgers plays, I think that they're they're really good up-and-coming players. And Kumaro as well, who has already gotten a lot of high praise from Rodgers. So I think... like, aside from going and signing someone just to have that veteran presence, like you said, I think that this core is already pretty good. It's just a matter of developing them. Dan, do you yeah, think they should I, have signed I, someone? You know, I I kind of um, I, I kind of like that last point that Janelle said about, you know, you've got this core and you need to start developing it because um, – you know, when they had, they kind of held on to Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb for so long. And it really prevented, like, it really prevented a lot of young wide receivers from kind of getting a a foot in the door, so to speak. And, you know, when, when Randall Cobb made the decision to leave or they made the decision to let him walk, um, you know, I saw it as a positive thing because of kind of what Janelle said there is that you've got these young guys that have been sitting here, you know, some of them, uh, you know, like Geronimo Allison, he's coming into his fourth season and yeah, we've seen him have an impact on this team already, but if you don't give him the space and the room to hopefully develop into a solid number two wide receiver, he's never going to do that. And so I think if you brought in, you know, a, a, a Danny Amendola or or something like that um, to uh, to kind of like play that wise old veteran in the locker room kind of position. I, I think it I think it really hurts what you're trying to do with this offense, and that's develop some of these young talents into a into a new system. And so uh, I agree. I, I think people can kind of play Monday morning quarterback with it. But I think after what you saw the Packers do in free agency, I think it's hard to look and see where you would find a really viable veteran wide receiver talent with everything else that the Packers also got in uh, in free agency. That's true. Um, That's true. And like I remember, as soon as you said Danny Amendola, I thought Cole Beasley, and like just I remember mm-hmm. the contracts that these guys were getting in the off season. These like late 20s early 30s receivers and they're getting like seven eight nine ten million dollars i'm like per year i'm like ah, eh, that's probably not what the packers have in mind so it makes sense that they wouldn't do it yeah and you know we've seen rogers make stars out of people before you know and it, it, he can he can do it again and if it's a system like the one that will is coming into or bringing into green bay that you know i think um uses a lot of scheme to get guys open. I, I think it'll help young wide receivers like this. Uh, one thing to kind of mention with this scheme, people are speculating about how much wide receivers are actually going to really be a focus of this offense. While, you know, it does work well scheme wise to get wide receivers open. Um, it usually doesn't utilize a lot of uh, three or four wide receiver sets. Um, you know, it's a lot of two running back, two tight end kind of stuff thrown in there. Um, so do you think that that kind of will come into effect as we hit training camp and 
affect how many wide receivers we actually see really stick around. Because as we kind of d- dive into this, uh, you know, group a little bit, there's one or two guys on here that you know people are looking at that it's kind of a make or break off season with the Packers if they are going to be uh, you know kept around. Does does the the scheme that Matt Lafleur brings in kind of give you guys um, hesitation on how many? we see uh make the roster it probably it should affect it i just think that you don't really have any proven proven guys like you're not going to keep like five receivers just because you run a certain offense we've seen time and time again the packers have an injury at that position and all of a sudden uh jeff janice and trevor davis are starting a game in atlanta it's just like all downhill from there (laughs) so uh, like it's going to affect who gets snaps like for sure instead of running a McCarthy offense with you know three or four wide like yeah like a guy like you guys haven't even mentioned yet Jamon Moore who got like I think like two or three snaps last year like he had like 74 snaps or something last year like two or three grabs like he's just I mean his stock goes plummeting when you get an offense like that as far as just getting on the field so I don't necessarily think it makes the roster position that small like if we're talking instead of like seven receivers it's down to six that would make sense but it it seems to me that you're going to be getting you know i'm not a big trevor davis fan but it seems like you would still be getting your return guy out of the wide receiver group um jamon return kicks last year trevor davis did it um time you know more often than not they dabbled with a bunch of guys at the end of year which was just a complete i mean it was it was sloppy it was a yard sale in the front yard it was bad and I think Trevor's probably the guy to do it. I, I'm not a big fan, like I said, but does it affect it? No. I, I think it kind of stays at just a, a larger group because, again, you want to really see who you have on that team. You're not, you're not, you're not solidified with like a Devonta Adams and a Randall Cobb, and then you can kind of play with you know three or four other guys. Yeah, and Matt kind of took my point right there about the kick returns and the punt returns. I think that should be a wide receiver as well. You kind of look back and, like you said, you see him dabbling with all these different players. And I think it's safer to have kind of one of your back-end receivers that has experience doing that rather than we've seen them put Jair Alexander back there. And you don't want somebody who's going to get hurt and it's going to impact your overall game. You'd kind of want, okay, well, if somebody takes a bad hit on the kick return, we have people to replace him in his normal position. So I think keeping the kick return and the punt return in the wide receiver core, I think that's probably the smartest thing overall for the team. Cause yeah, we have Davis and Jamon Moore and even some other people uh, that we were kind of looking at like Jawill Davis from, I think he was with the giants. So there's a lot of guys here who have experienced doing that. So I think you might keep an extra one just for that purpose. But overall, I think it just depends on the talent that they see during training camp, who stays and who goes. Yeah, and I think, too, the injury specter kind of comes back into this uh, as well because without Randall Cobb now, Devontae Adams is your by far number one wide receiver. And he obviously proved last year by you know nearly setting a bunch of – uh, Packer wide receiver records that he can step up and be a star wide receiver for this team. The thing with him though is injuries. There's been a couple of really bad concussions in his career already, and you know you're in your sixth season and you've already had at least two very major concussions that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, you know you kind of start to 
you kind of start to wonder about is the next hit going to be you know one that takes him down and then if if Devontae Adams is down now it's you know who's is it a Geronimo Allison led offense is it Marquez uh Valdez Scantling um so yeah I I think you guys hit on some good points especially with injury without if Devontae Adams dealing with injury like that um you just never know with this wide receiver group. And then, like, just back to the return thing, Janelle, how you, we both hit on it. I'm looking at, like, all these guys they brought in over the offseason. You talked about uh, Joel Davis, Darius Shepard, uh, Malik Taylor, who they just signed earlier in the week or last week. Like, these guys have all have experience as a returner. So it's not like you're coming into another season with Mike McCarthy where Trevor Davis is kind of Mike McCarthy's dude where he's like, I'm just going to let him return it. Like, I think that position – or I think that spot's open – for a open competition. I remember back in, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago when they were, what was that mini camp? They had a bunch of different guys trying it out. They had a couple running backs. I remember Tony Brown was back there. So I don't think it's a definitive that Trevor Davis gets it. And I do think, I mean, you look at these few guys that are down, down on the depth chart list. Most of them do have kick return and punt return experience. So um, I do think it comes from that position group as well. And Trevor Davis also has suffered injuries. I think he only played maybe two games last year, which is why they had to get so experimental with the kick return. So kind of similar to, okay, even the veteran players have had some serious injuries. And just looking at the timeline in the past five seasons, the wide receiver group is pretty prone to injury. So that's just another thing you have to consider going forward. So let's look at the the group here uh, a little bit more in depth, almost for kind of like a depth chart uh, experience. Um, Devontae Adams, clearly the number one wide receiver. I think we can all agree on that. But the big question is, who is your number two? Uh, obviously, if we're going out of experience, I think John Allison is your pick. He's been with the team longest. Um, obviously, his, he's coming into his fourth season. Uh, he made an impact, you know, over the past couple of years in spot uh, duty. But from what people are saying early on in um, OTAs and minicamps, things like that, uh, MVS has been getting kind of the number two wide receiver look uh, so far. So going into training camp, who do you guys kind of see as a number two? Is there is there really even a clear number two at this point? I think if I had to declare who I would put at number two right now I would probably put Allison not so much because he's just so much more talented than someone like MVS but I think he's built up that quarterback to wide receiver relationship enough with Rodgers where he's gained more trust whereas MVS you could see there was a lot of frustration new receiver kind of getting in the flow with Rodgers I think if Rodgers had to, he trusts Allison a little bit more. So you might see him give him more looks. And he does have a little bit more experience as well with Rodgers. So maybe not so much talent-wise, but just that relationship he has with his quarterback kind of bumps him up a little bit more on my list. I don't want to discredit the start that Geronimo had last year because I went back and looked at the numbers. Like He was on pace for about 64 grabs, 960 yards, and like – in between six or seven touchdowns, so we're going to round it up to seven. But I really think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the the number two. Um, for starters, like, you know, picking up a playbook, is that's great. But I really just think he's more explosive than Geronimo Allison. Um, thankfully for us and Geronimo, like, 
the injury that he sustained was early on in the rear. I think it was like week five, week six, something like that last year. So he's going to be fully healthy. It's not going to be like one of those end-of-the-year injuries. But um, I really think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to take another step. I know he's only coming to his second year, but um, I just – if, if everyone's saying it, like it's, it's across the board too. It's not just one guy. I mean, Rogers noticing the coaching staff, Devonte Adams has said it, I believe, I think Blake Martinez had said something about him as well, doing really well. So it's, he's getting some high praise. And I mean, I'm sure everyone knows this already, but he is working with Randy Moss for the second year in a row. So I, I really like that. I went back and looked, I'm like, I have no idea where that connection came from. They're not really from the same area. Didn't go to the same school, but maybe just, Marquez Valdez like slipped into the the DMs on Twitter to Randy Moss and like they're just they're just working in Miami all all summer again. Just networking, passing out business cards, just yeah. connecting whoever you can. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. I th- I think um, I agree with kind of with Matt because I think uh, out of anybody, I think um, Valdez Scantling kind of jumped out as somebody that Aaron uh, you know clicked with in some of those later season games when, you know, there wasn't a lot of talent to go around in uh, the skill positions. And so, um, you know, I I think coming into his second year, this is a year that he can really, I think, take this offense that is going to be, like we said, completely new. He can kind of learn with it with alongside everybody else. He's not trying to play catch up into a system. He's going to be learning with Aaron Rodgers and all the other guys on this team to figure out this offense. And so, you know, I, if it puts everybody on the same playing field that way, I think he's got the athletic ability and the skills to, you know, take over that second position. And I think that I don't want that to, to discredit kind of like Matt said, discredit what, Geronimo brings to this team and this offense because I saw somebody describe him as kind of a uh, a Cooper Cup type of uh, player in this offense, obviously kind of hearkening to the Sean McVay uh, coaching tree that LaFleur comes from. If Geronimo can go out and be Cooper Cup and you've got Devontae Adams and Valdez Scantling, you know, uh, kind of finding those those seams and those different areas to, to, to fly into – I think that offense becomes a, a extremely fun to watch, and then you throw in obviously Jimmy Graham, going to help out you know the the, uh, the spacing for wide receivers and guys like Valdez Scantling and uh, you know Geronimo Allison obviously is more of a possession wide receiver. So if that's our top three, we go to you know four and five. You can kind of argue these are the guys that are going to be seeing a rotational play. Not so much, uh, you know, like kind of the step above being on the bubble of a special teamer and being cut. So um, Equinemius St. Brown and Jake Kumro are probably your two next guys on this list. Um, did Should we – how much more can we expect from Equinemius St. Brown this training camp? Are you guys – I, I, I really want to see him kind of – I, I I don't know where he would fit into this offense if though if you're running only you know three and four guys out or I should say if you're running two and three wide receivers out there in a set so where does he kind of fit into the rotation but uh, I mean he just has I think the ability to really be something if he can kind of put stuff together this season um, is he sort of on the outside looking in on playing time 
coming into training camp this year. What what does he have to really do to show you that he can kind of fit in with a Geronimo Allison or Trevor or excuse me, uh, Valdez Scantling? I think he has a real shot to. I mean, they, there was talk. I want to say back in about right when Lafleur was um, hired that maybe a couple weeks after that that. Um, Equimenia St. Brown would kind of fit the mold of the slot receiver in that offense. It sounds crazy since he's like 6'4", 6'5", but um, that's just kind of the new wave of the NFL. You don't have to be this like white 5'8 guy that you know may have played for a different team and then played for the, the Patriots for a few <laughs> years. Like, like you, he, he could play that role. Um, he's super athletic. Anytime I talk about Equimenia St. Brown, I usually first or second thing out of my mouth is just like this, this the physical ability he has. Um, I think he's probably one of the most, as far as just like on paper, one of the most talented guys maybe on the roster. But again, that that's a great point, Dan. Like if they're only running, you know, a few receivers, like how does he get into the fold? Like I think he would probably have to compete with Geronimo or MVS just to get some more snaps. I mean, he didn't have awful numbers last year. I think he had like 21 grabs, like 300 yards here or around there, you know. Um, I, I don't – it's tough to say really because like a new offense and just because he's super athletic doesn't mean he gets on the field right away. But I do, there were some moments last year where I was like, okay, this guy, he gets it. Like he can run routes. He knows what he's doing. But um, I don't think he's, like you said, I don't think he's going to be cut. I don't think he's maybe yeah. a special teamer. I think he's still on the roster just from his sheer talent, um, just being a physical specimen. Yeah. I don't have much more to add off of what Matt just said. He really hit the, uh nail with that one but yeah I think just kind of after seeing the way that he played last year he wasn't oh my gosh this guy's gonna be the best player but he's also like okay this guy really has the potential to be one of the best players so kind of seeing where he is come training camp and preseason I don't think he'll be a starter but I think he's he's kind of right there in that four or five area so maybe he'll play like 10 games I don't know he played 12 games last year and like Matt said he had some looks and some yards so I think he hasn't quite proven himself to be the starter but all the potential is there he's just got to find a way to get it out I mean he speaks French German and his dad was Mr. Universe at one point like you got to keep a guy on the roster like that at least for his rookie contract I agree at least if nothing else uh you know well I mean they're gonna go to Canada this year, right? That's for right. a, a yeah. preseason game, mm-hmm. you gotta have mm-hmm. somebody there that that uh, parlez-vous français. They have to bring the um, translator, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> that buys him a couple <laughs> weeks right there, exactly. <laughs> a couple paychecks, a couple of meals. Um, you know, the the thing with uh, uh, Equinemius too is, I think last year he was really kind of the one that I I thought struggled the most with the drop issue. Because that that kind of came up, especially right around when it seems like when uh, Geronimo got hurt, and you know they were really relying on these guys in the first their first couple of weeks of experience. That there was a couple of really key moments where they dropped really big balls, um, and he was one of the main perpetrators of that more than MVS. I feel like he, he's kind of the biggest. What if I think you guys echo, I kind of echo what you guys are saying. He's the biggest kind of what if he's got all these talents, 
He's got the measurables that are there. We just need to see him put it all together. And if he can, then he can challenge and, you know, force Matt LaFleur to to maybe run a, a different style of offense or run more passing. I mean, we've seen Matt LaFleur change up his offensive styles, you know, depending on his players' abilities and, and what they've shown so far. And so uh, I, he can he can make a play for it. I think he's one of the more interesting pieces to watch coming into into training camp. Um, two guys that I think are probably closer to the bubble here. We'll hit both of them just kind of together. Trevor Davis, obviously he's kind of in a, a, a make or break season. If anybody is coming into his fourth season and also uh, Jake Kumaro. Uh He's only in his second official season, but he is, or he has been around since 2015. So, He's they're, they're both up there in age. They're both guys that um, you know we saw Jerry very brief flashes of over the last year. Um, what do we do with these two guys? Two guys that have a lot of upside on a special team side, but where do they fit into a wide receiver group that we just talked about already? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things being what we already talked about is the kick returns and punt returns. So that could get Trevor Davis his job on the 52-man roster, but he could also be replaced because it's not like we've really seen anything big from him at the receiver position. So if there's somebody who can play receiver a little bit better and also do punt and kick returns, it's kind of like, okay, well, he's replaceable. Maybe drop him down to practice squad. And then Kumaro, he's just kind of like the fan favorite he has already gotten a lot of praise from Rogers and obviously being Whitewater Jesus, he has Wisconsin's approval. But again, when you think about what he can truly bring to the team, it could sway either way, especially being hurt all of last year because of celebrating. So Yeah, it's just it's tough for me to like look at someone again, I'm I'm gonna keep harping on this, like someone like Trevor Davis where you're you're just a one trick pony. You're just on the team to return kicks and punts, and I know he's very efficient when he's out there, but you have to bring something else to a fifty three man roster. Like we've seen in the small, small sample sizes when he's had to be on the field and it's just like it's not that great. Um but again then you're like, you know, you're you're almost I just don't want to dedicate a, a one spot for a guy that just was going to turn kicks and punts. Um, I really like Jay Kumaro. I thought he was really, really fun to watch in the preseason. It was unfortunate he had that shoulder injury. Um, it's amazing if you go back into, you know, 10 months, 11 months ago, and, like, he doesn't dive into the end zone. I know it's easy to say <laughs> now, like, what his season could have been because, he, like, he was he was decent after the fact. I mean, he had – was it against the Jets? He had that touchdown. It was a long run, and um, – mm-hmm. It's just he's just fun. he's a fun player to watch. Like he's got he's got a football IQ, comes from a football pedigree. I think he's cousins with the Nick and Joey Bosa. Like comes from a, a family of athletes. I think his brother plays basketball still at Whitewater. Like I just I like what he does. I like his um, I just like his you know his football IQ is intangibles. As far as a returner, I don't see him being a returner at all. Obviously, so you still have to find someone like that. But it, I, that's someone I'm going to be cheering for just in the preseason, just like the rest of. Packer Nation. Um, I, I really, really hope he makes the roster. It's like the one guy I'm really pulling for that's going to make the roster. Um, and I just w- I want to make it tough on the, the coaching staff and the, the front office to have to like let him go or put him on the practice squad. Maybe he gets claimed somewhere else. Yeah, I think 
if it comes down to Jake Kumaro and Trevor Davis, you take Jake Kumaro because Trevor Davis hasn't really proven himself like this is a guy we have to have on the roster. And then you get Jake Kumaro kind of up and coming, even though he's a little bit older, only really seen him last year. I think he really brings a different energy to the wide receiver group that they need. Trevor Davis doesn't really bring much to the table. He's just kind of somebody who's familiar with one specific role. But I think Jay Kumro, we saw late last year, I think it was uh, maybe against the Jets, where he gets his first touchdown and everybody's just going nuts. Everybody's excited. He's excited. Rodgers is excited. I think just bringing that element to the group and to the team overall is something that Trevor Davis hasn't really done in the few years he's been here and healthy. I I feel like um, I'm going to upset people with this. Um, I like, I liked the story of Jake Kumaro. Obviously, how could you not love like, like everything you guys just said, he's a, he's a fantastic um, personality to fit into a team from Wisconsin. It, it, it all, it all works. Um, for me though, I'm really worried that Jake Kumaro is like one of those, uh, potato chips that people pull out of the bag and they see a picture of like Jesus in it. And so they never eat the potato chip and they just, they keep it around because they're like, look at this potato chip. It's, it's fantastic. It's the, it's the most special potato chip I've ever seen, but really it's like all the other kind of potato chips that kind of come and go throughout the rest of your bag. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I don't want to, I, I, I try and not, I try and separate myself from kind of the hype and, and the, the fun. Cause I agree. I, I had a lot of fun watching him when he was here and what he did last year, but you know, just when you, when you look at Trevor Davis, you can't teach speed and Trevor Davis has a lot of speed and yet like teams are moving away from, you know, kind of that sole kick returner. And really, unless you're Devin Hester, you can't kind of be that anymore. So you have to be able to, con- to contribute somewhere else. I think he can, I think he has the ability to do that. I also sort of speculate about how much did, and I, I say this genuinely because I really don't kind of know because it's not a, a thing I'm very familiar with, but how much did the coaching and effect of Ron Zook being the special teams coordinator the last couple of years affect you know the play and the success of some of these special teams players? Because uh, you know there's been you know things said about what Ron Zook was kind of doing with his team. Guys are out of their lanes you know, which leads to not many uh, opportunities for a, a kick returner or punt returner to, to make a play. Um, you know, guys that were special teams players last year look bad because they were put in bad positions or weren't coached correctly because of the system Ron Zook kind of had. So does Trevor Davis maybe find more success under a different special teams coordinator? I, I don't know because I, I can't speak for how much that really has an impact, but it's just kind of something that sits in the back of my mind. If he's in his fourth year and 
you know, he's been in this system now for a couple of years. And so for me, I, I don't mind giving him a leg up over Jake Kumro if it came down to a, a spot on the roster because even if Jake Kumro is a halfway decent player, he's still had at least one more year of uh, time on his on his body, like where on his body than uh, Trevor Davis has. And Trevor Davis, if after this season he really doesn't show anything, then great. Now you know what you do, what you do, and you move on from him. Um, Jake Kumro, it just seems like there's not much there to actually really build around because at this point, if you haven't shown that you can be like, you know, a, a decent wide receiver, where have you been the last several years? If that makes sense. I, I and I don't want to, you can crucify me. Um, you know, the Jake Kumro crowd can come after me, but that's, that's my take on it. It is weird that he's bounced around, but if you want to talk about Sunday scaries, you just bring up Ron Zook, Dan, and I am just, just <laughs> trembling right now. Oh man. I forgot about that guy. Like, yeah, that's, I think as soon as he was gone, we all just forgot he existed. So you just opened a new door for Matt, and now he's going to go into Monday all upset this week. My favorite thing on Twitter (laughs) is when someone brings up Ron Zook, and obviously it was like way more prevalent like at the end of the year and in the offseason. It's just like to reply with a picture of Ron Zook, and I just go back to Google Images every time and just find – He's got just the goofiest face all the time. Like, there's so many I always would go through. I'd be on pages because I'm like, oh, this one's better. Oh, this one's really fun. Like, there's, he's just, I'm so glad he's gone. Like, um, one guy we haven't talked about yet, you guys, you guys have avoided, like, Jamon Moore. Like, what is he, is he on the, like, I have him, I have him listed. I didn't write, I mean, I, like I said, he had 74 snaps, two receptions, I think. Like, I just have next to him on my, my notes here, just chopping block. Like, where does he end up? I mean, is he is he making the roster? I know it's kind of critical of the guy coming into his second year, and he he actually did pretty well, I thought, in the preseason last year. He had a couple drops. Like, uh, I just it seemed like they were targeting him quite a bit in preseason, and then when it got to regular season, nothing. Like, where does where does he fall? I mean, he played twelve games last year, but you don't really remember seeing him. He kind of did more kick returns, punt returns, had two receptions for like 15 yards, but he's just kind of always there, but you wouldn't really notice if he's there or if he's not. So he's kind of, I don't know, he might get cut and then sign a practice squad. And then if injuries start to address the team, might bump back up. I don't know. Cause it's, it's really tough to say, will they sign seven receivers and then will Jamon Moore be one of them I think it's just really hard to tell because I don't feel like I've really seen a lot of him even though he's played 12 games he's not somebody that I really catch my eye on the field because he'll maybe go out there for a snap here and there but I don't know I think training camp is really going to be his uh prove it point where he's going to have to figure out if he's going to earn his job or not. I think he's definitely one of those players where I could see him being practiced. I could see them maybe signing seven receivers. I don't know. It's He's definitely kind of a big question mark on my list of receivers right now. Yeah, I, I agree. He's, he's somebody that I think could be a dark horse candidate for um, – you know, taking a roster spot on this team because 
he's kind of a uh he's he's kind of Trevor Davis just, you know, slightly younger and um you know, they they've talked about his the intangibles that he has uh you know with um you know kind of like the break uh, his um you know double move the the break he can get off of the line of scrimmage and kind of his route running ability as well he can he can fit into this system and I, I think when you talk about guys growing up in a system to kind of come into this and this being really the only system you know because this is his second season now with the team and so you know it, it, this is really the only system he's going to kind of grow up with and so if he can you know develop in this system he could be somebody that breaks out and you know, maybe takes Trevor Davis's job and makes Trevor Davis kind of a moot point to talk about. Um, you know, he he is a guy that I think is the if you're looking at somebody on this team that is a project kind of player, it's got to be Jamon Moore, I think. And for anybody, I does he deserve a consideration for a roster spot just because? He is somebody that you could be developing for, uh, you know, a future starting role or for a future um, experience to kind of take over a bigger role. Or do you risk him sitting on the practice squad? I think could be a big uh, decision that comes down at the end of training camp. Is Jamon Moore and his future ability and what he could bring in the future worth a play or a roster spot? and the guaranteed ability to kind of keep him around. Um, so I, I think that really kind of there's – do we need to talk about any of these other guys on the roster is, is my I question. I think unless they really with, stick with out in the next few weeks, yeah. they don't really need to be mentioned. Like the two guys I want to mention, I know you don't want to hear them, <laughs> but like Alan Lazard, Alan Lazard <laughs> like I think he's – a physical specimen, like mm-hmm. big body. I was watching some of his highlights at Iowa State. Like, dude can go up and get the ball. He's got pretty good hands. Like, not fleet of foot by any means. Um, he's six five. Like, really, really good numbers his last year at um, Iowa State. Uh, but I mean, like I said, lacks speed. And then uh, Darius Shepard. I think he's big, big football IQ. Really good in the classroom. I think he was on the honor roll and like. Uh, with like four years, all four years at North Dakota State, uh, was the most outstanding player in the championship game this year for North Dakota State Bison, and then also was named 2018 to uh, most outstanding uh, or one of the on the all I guess it would be the MVC first team wide receiver and kick returner. Like he could be a guy that maybe fights for for a return spot, but like I was watching some of his highlights and it's just like he didn't look super fast but he's running away from people and it's just like you go back to like how stiff is the competition they're playing in the missouri valley football conference like he's someone to watch though i think he, he's gonna be he might be like this year's kumaro or it's just like a small school little guy that can break out but I, like dan brought up earlier like is there even a chance that these guys will make the roster when it's like you're gonna be kind of really dan brought up the point of it just like are you gonna have a smaller roster or death chart of receivers like it, those are the two guys that stick out to me. Everyone else that they've signed or whatever, like I, I'm really not here to have a discussion about T.O. Redding making the roster. Um, but those two guys, Lazard and Shepard, I'm definitely interested to see what they do. Yeah, and then, you know, we, we kind of hit on it too, but I think you mentioned it, uh, Matt, with Jimmy Graham essentially 
playing a wide receiver role already with this team, it really kind of limits your options uh, right. offensively or uh, wide receiver-wise and they still, as well. And they still have Mercedes Lewis, which I forgot about up until like two hours ago. Oh, they yeah. still had him. in Sternberger, I think he's going to be a, a big piece of that offense. You want to talk – I mean, he's, he's going to be running routes more than Mercedes Lewis will be. I think they're going to try to get him involved, so – um, definitely just, again, a lot of lot of height on the Packers at the receiving core, and I love to see that. Yeah, it should be a fun position group to keep an eye on. Uh, coming into training camp, again, training camp starts uh, coming up the, this Thursday um, on the 25th. This is our first training camp uh, practice. So lots to uh, come up on. I mean, and, and we're coming up on our 365, our one-year anniversary uh, here with the Pack of Day podcast, it's crazy that it's already been a full year. I, I can't believe we're, you know, it, I've got the same kind of like butterflies in my stomach that I had around this time last year because, uh, you know, obviously we're we're looking forward to the training camp and preseason and all of that and the start of the actual season. But to kind of be in this position and this role to talk about it uh, every single day, it, I think it adds to the uh, to the fun at least for at least from my perspective crazy how it's um, lining up on the first day of training camp like that's that's insane I know. <laughs> and like I, that's... I gotta be i gotta be honest with you guys like i didn't really i mean i don't want to sound negative but i didn't expect this to go this well for the first year i gotta be brutally honest I thought there'd be a gap like towards after the year like in march where there's like nothing going on and there was like oh we missed an episode but like it's i props to everyone doing this it's it's pretty incredible well i i think a big shout out for that goes to andy herman um you know I think he I think he gets you know credit for really almost all of the stuff that's that's kind of uh, happened over this this full year. Not to get you know sentimental or anything here, but you know uh, to have to have the the vision to look ahead and predict when the one year anniversary was going to be <laughs> for the podcast to fall on the start of training camp. That's vision that you know. Guys on Wall Street would kill to have. So, uh, <laughs> props to Andy Herman. Um, you know, to all of us. I mean, this this has been a lot of fun over this year so far, uh, developing and growing this this community that we've kind of developed here with the Pack and Day Podcast. And um, you know, it keeps going. Tomorrow, Nick, Maggie, and Paul are going to continue the position group preview. They've got the running back group. Uh, tomorrow so make sure you tune in for them and then obviously like we said training camp is coming up so this is the best time to stick around and listen to us on the pack a day podcast each and every day follow us on social media as well as we go through it all at pack a day podcast and then of course with the podcast make sure you subscribe rate and review it really helps us out um you can follow us on social media as well. I'm on there DK at DK all the way. If you're looking, if you're a uh, Jurassic Park fan like myself, you can read my 13 tweet thread about who I would recast in the Jurassic Park movies uh, now. If you're so interested, I I only say that because Andy keeps trying to ask us to promote <laughs> stuff that we've written, and that's the closest <laughs> thing I have to writing. So if you're interested in that, follow me on Twitter at DK all the way. Uh, guys, where can they follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Janelle, where can they hit you up on Twitter? You can find me at Big Mac underscore four. And just to kind of go with what Dan was saying about Andy, don't forget to go over to his Twitter page and 
Uh, that's where you can get some Packaday merchandise if you want to keep supporting the podcast. Ooh, the new gear. Yep. New gear, new Packaday gear. Good call. Yeah. Uh, the, Nike the has. New, the Nike new swag. Has. How do you argue with the Nike yeah. it, it is tight. The new swag is tight. Um, so, yeah, make sure you go follow Andy for all of that. Follow everybody on the Packaday podcast because, I mean, they do a fantastic job with all of this. Um, so, uh, before before we start talking about uh, you know English teachers in third grade that helped us get to this point, um, <laughs> we'll 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 wrap up our episode here. We'll be back. Our next episode, we're going to be right in the heat of uh, the the preseason and all of the um, training camp action. So make sure you tune in for that and uh, the rest of the preseason. For my partners Matt and Janelle, Dan Kotnick, and the Packet Eight Podcast, signing off with a. Big go, go pack go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.